Warning, Seriously Strange covers topics that may frighten or disturb you. Viewer discretion is advised. Throughout the centuries, human beings have been devising ingenious ways to torture and execute one another. Whether these were used to force a confession for a crime, to punish enemies, or simply to act out sadistic fantasies, torture devices are as old as we are. You may find it hard to breathe in our first case, waterboarding. Chances are you've heard of waterboarding. It's an incredibly popular form of torture right now, as it was recently involved in a high-level U.S. government scandal. Waterboarding is used as a technique during interrogations, as many forms of torture are. It involves shackling a person to a plank by their wrists and ankles. At times, the plank is raised and the feet are kept elevated. A watering can is then filled up and a cloth applied to the subject's face. Truth be told, nothing here seems too torturous. Water and a cloth, it just doesn't seem too bad. Even so far to say that some U.S. officials didn't believe that waterboarding was a form of torture at all. But let me give you a little more information, and uh, I'll let you decide. The subject would then have water poured over the cloth on their face. The water saturates the material and inhibits breathing considerably. For 20 to 40 seconds, water is continuously poured over the cloth. After this time and under great stress, the cloth would be lifted, allowing the subject three or four breaths, before placing it back down and repeating the process. Smothered and suffocating in the dark, something anyone should be afraid of, but this type of torture went beyond just fear. Though waterboarding has been used in recent years, the idea of turning precious water into a weapon is an old one. Numerous cases have shown how it's evolved over the years. The reason behind that is simple. It works. The psychological trauma alone, the feeling of drowning over and over again can lead to lifelong post-traumatic stress and depression. Physically, it can bring about pneumonia and in some cases cause organ damage from a lack of oxygen. Being unable to move and barely able to breathe is not just exclusive to waterboarding, however, such as in our next case, Syrian Box Torture. Syria, a country enveloped in violence. A civil war will tend to do that, so naturally where there's violence, there's torture. One of the more noteworthy forms of torture in Syria doesn't exactly have an official name. The captive is led into a hidden room. Inside the room, there is a small box, a box far too small for any human to lie comfortably inside. So, bound at the wrist and ankles, they are crammed into the box, always in a horribly uncomfortable position where they will remain for extended periods of time. Ever fallen asleep in an awkward position and woken up stiff and in pain? Well, that's just over the course of a few hours. Now imagine spending days in that position, covered in your own excrement. But don't worry, even though you barely have enough room to take a full breath, you won't suffocate. There is a hole in the box. However, it wasn't exactly designed for breathing. The captors would often suspend the boxes and tilt them. Through the hole, food was dropped, usually a hard-boiled egg still in its shell. 
Due to the limited amount of space, the shackles, and the positioning of the box, the egg would roll right past the victim's mouth into the bottom of the box, or simply to fall out of another hole. The victim is then forced to watch their only form of sustenance linger just out of reach. Some forms of torture leave your sanity out of reach, such as in our next case, white torture. Physical and psychological torture complement themselves in so many different ways. It's like an art form, almost. Some people like to keep it strictly psychological, though. Iran has their own special brand of torture that is referred to quite simply as white torture. The victim is taken to an entirely white room and forbidden from speaking. There is no sound. There is nothing but white. Even when fed, the captive is given white rice on a white paper plate. Everything is white. To some of you watching, you might believe that this is paradise compared to other forms of torture being shackled down and beaten senselessly, but you'd be quite wrong about that. Truth be told, the room is designed for sensory deprivation. With no outside stimuli, the victim's brain will begin to fill in the emptiness with hallucinations. They invade sight and sound. You begin to see and hear things that aren't really there. Captives would be kept in these rooms for days at a time. And hallucinations begin with only 15 minutes of the initiation of sensory deprivation. These hallucinations have been known to cause long-term psychological trauma. Prisoner accounts claim that victims would often desire to be screamed at and beaten just so they could experience something real. How evil a mind's tricks can be, but even a calm mind is able to find torment in our next case, Tiger Bench. Falun Gong, by an outsider's perspective, may look really no different from something like Tai Chi, a peaceful and calming series of movements and experiences. But in China, publicly practicing Falun Gong could land you in boiling hot water, but don't worry, that's only one of the tools that authorities would use. Chinese authorities aggressively discounted the practice of Falun Gong. Amongst the extensive methods of torture that authorities would inflict on a practitioner, one of the most notable of them was referred to as the Tiger Bench. Strapped to this device, the victim would know that quite possibly they'd never walk again. The Tiger Bench tests the durability of one of two things, either it be the straps that hold your legs in place or your knees. The authorities placed bricks under the victim's ankles one by one. Each new brick was another opportunity to renounce their beliefs in Falun Gong, if they would allow you to. As each brick was placed, the leg straps became tighter, the strain on the knees grew greater. Higher and higher, the legs were lifted until either the straps broke or the knees snapped backwards. How influential a simple belief can be, how much hatred it can inspire in others, but some people aren't tortured for information or for what they believe in. They're simply tortured for the sheer enjoyment of it. Horrifying what one person might do to another simply to get information or simply for what you believe or even simpler than that, for the sheer enjoyment of it. Hopefully you never end up in a locked room with one of those people. Imagine being placed on your knees in a wooden or iron barrel with only your head protruding from the top. 
If you think what awaits you is just a long stay in an uncomfortable position, the truth was far worse. You would be given regular meals, but this was not to keep you healthy. As the barrel filled with urine and excrement, it would soon begin to attract insects and vermin that would begin to eat away at your flesh. Additionally, the bacteria from these bodily fluids would cause skin necrosis. This method of torture was also known as scaphism, or the Spanish mantle. Other forms of scaphism have been used throughout the centuries. An alternate form dates back to the Persians, who would hollow out a tree trunk and place the unfortunate victim inside. The victim would be naked with just the extremities protruding. Then the victim would be slathered with milk and honey, giving special attention to the eyes, mouth, and genital region. Afterward, the victim would be left in the sun or floating on a stagnant body of water, as vermin and insects would begin to feast on the body. Death would occur as a result of blood loss and septic shock. Death by scaphism could last days. Picture yourself being hung upside down by your feet. Your hands are tied behind you, and the weight of your own body and blood flowing to your head makes it difficult to scream as you see the saw about to sink in to your flesh. You cannot struggle or beg for mercy, even as the metal teeth carve into the soft flesh between your thighs. Then comes the sawing of bone and cartilage. You pray for a fast death, but most of the blood has gone to your head, so blood loss is minimal, and the saw has yet to reach a vital organ. Your death will be slow and excruciating, and through the delirium of pain you can hear the sound of cheering. During the Middle Ages, accused witches and blasphemers could find themselves victim to the saw torture. This method was invented by the Chinese and popularized by the Romans. The accused would be hung upside down by the ankles while two executioners sawed the victim in half, beginning between the legs. The upside-down position ensured that blood would pool in the victim's head, slowing the bleeding process and therefore delaying death. It is rumored that the Emperor Caligula particularly enjoyed watching these deaths while he ate, remarking that the suffering of the victims enhanced the flavor of his meals. Most remarkably, death by sawing was a quiet one, as the position and motion of the saw through the pelvic bone inhibited the victim's ability to scream. Perhaps you have fallen out of favor with the local government. Perhaps you have been labeled a troublemaker, perhaps even treasonous or blasphemous. Now, the authorities are tasked with silencing you before you can rile up any more followers. You have insulted the king, and there is only one acceptable punishment, but it comes in multiple steps, each which is deadly on its own. First comes the dragging through the streets of town. The public must see what happens to troublemakers like you. Next, perhaps beheading or possibly having your limbs ripped from your torso by galloping horses. A popular punishment for treason in England was the act of hanging, drawing, and quartering. The method began by tying the accused by rope to a horse and dragging him to the gallows. Once hoisted up by the neck, the victim would possibly be disemboweled. 
However, over centuries, the act evolved into the practice of tying each of the victim's limbs to four individual horses, then setting each horse in opposite directions, thereby tearing the victim in pieces. Likely the most famous victim of this brutal death was the Scottish patriot William Wallace, who suffered each step to the fullest extent. He was first hanged for robbery and murder, disemboweled for sacrilege, hanged, drawn, and beheaded for treason. His story was portrayed in the popular Mel Gibson movie, Braveheart. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings, from haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. This one goes out to the ladies. Have you been accused of adultery, perhaps witchcraft, or simply just stating your opinion when it would have been better suited you hold your tongue? There is a special punishment in store for women who forget their place. In the medieval age, a special device was used to punish homosexuals and women accused of various illicit acts. The device was a pear-shaped probe that would be inserted either rectally or vaginally. Once inserted, the device would be cranked, opening the instrument's sharp pedals. This would internally eviscerate the victim as the device was twisted inside. The instrument came in many convenient sizes, depending on the orifice it was to be used in, including a smaller device meant to be placed in the mouth for blasphemers and liars. However, the pair of anguish was rarely fatal and was often used as just a precursor to more torture methods to be inflicted. Have you made the uncomfortable mistake of borrowing money from a mob loan shark and now you can't pay? Or perhaps you're a rat? The Mafia has a tried and true method for dealing with the likes of you. The act of encasing a victim's feet in cement and tossing them into a body of water to drown has surely been the stuff of fiction. Popularized as a tongue-in-cheek method of doing away with snitches by the American Mafia, cement shoes were thought to be purely the invention of crime fiction novelist E.L. Doctorow. However, in May of 2016, the body of 26-year-old Peter Martinez washed ashore. The body was wrapped in plastic bags and most notably his feet were encased in cement. Martinez was thought to be a member of a Brooklyn gang, and his murder has yet to be solved. Death by drowning is not often as peaceful and tranquil as it is portrayed in many movies and in television shows. The first instinct is to hold your breath, but as your body and brain starve for oxygen, the urge to inhale becomes too overwhelming, and you will do so involuntarily just before you lose consciousness. As water is sucked into the larynx, your natural gag reflex is triggered, causing a chain reaction of alternating choking and suffocation. 
Perhaps you'll be one of the lucky ones, and water will fill your lungs quickly, hastening death. Even if your feet were free and not weighted by cement, you would probably be much too weak to swim to the surface. Lower back problems, stiff joints, well, we've got a deal for you. The device is simple to use, but you will need the help of a partner. All you have to do is lay back on a wooden table. Allow your partner or assistant to strap your wrists and ankles, turn the crank, and voila, your joint pains are cured forever, because they will be non-existent. The rack dates all the way back to ancient Greece. The concept was simple. A victim strapped to a table and bound by the wrists and ankles. Then a wheel would be cranked, activating a system of pulleys and levers, gradually lengthening the table and stretching the victim's body. As more and more strain was put on the victim's joints, they would eventually dislocate. Muscle tissue would tear, and before long, the joints would separate entirely. If the torture continued long enough, limbs would be torn completely away from the body. Due to its simplicity, the torture rack was a popular device throughout Europe during the Middle Ages, and was a particular favorite for extracting information from the Knights of Templar. The second Duke of Exeter also fell victim to the torture rack in 1447 within the walls of the Tower of London. If you have seen any of the Saw films, you have seen devices of torture and death that are as complicated as a Rube Goldberg machine. Devices with timers, intricate pulley systems, and innovative complexity. However, a torture device doesn't need to be complicated to be effective. The Heretic's Fork was a simple design, a double-edged fork strapped to a victim's neck, preventing the wearer from being able to lower the head or speak. This was a particularly effective method during the Spanish Inquisition to force confessions from those accused of heresy. The irony in using this device for confessions was that, since the victim could not speak, no confession could be uttered, prolonging the torture. If the wearer bent backward far enough, the pain would temporarily cease. However, such a position was impossible to maintain for long periods, and eventually the victim would either attempt a confession or give in to the sharp points of the fork. If the victim decided to succumb to death, it would be a slow and painful one, as the accused would slowly bleed out from the puncture wounds. Most of us have seen magicians and performance artists perform the feat of lying on a bed of nails, only to rise again unharmed. While this trick appears impressive, it is reliant on the simple fact that the body's weight is evenly distributed among the points of the nails, making no one point strong enough to penetrate the skin. However, the simply named Chair of Torture was a completely different matter. A prisoner would be restrained to a wooden chair adorned with up to 1,500 spikes along the back, seat, and armrests. As the sharp points of the spikes buried into the skin, the victim would slowly bleed out, making death slow and excruciating. In some variations of the torture chair, holes were put in the bottom of the chair so that a fire could be placed beneath it, adding another interesting level to the prisoner's torment.
The art of torture isn't something restricted to ancient or medieval times. Modern technology has brought with it new and innovative methods of inflicting pain. Welcome to the Tucker State Prison Farm, located in Jefferson County, Arkansas. In the early 1960s, this prison had a reputation for subjecting its inmates to various tortures, including beatings, needles placed under the fingernails, and most infamously, the use of the Tucker Telephone. This device was constructed from the parts of an old crank-style telephone, giving the device its name. The telephone was connected to two batteries, with electrodes attached to the prisoner's genitals and feet. When the telephone was cranked, electric shocks would be delivered through the prisoner's body. When several shocks were administered in a row, this was dubbed a long-distance call. The device was invented by the prison superintendent, Jim Burton, but was often used by guards and prison doctors who did not know how to use the device properly. This misuse led to prisoners losing consciousness or suffering permanent damage to the genital region. There were even reports of prisoners being driven insane. Tucker State Prison would undergo criminal investigation for its practices, and even though the superintendent Jim Burton resigned before investigations were complete, he was sentenced to a $1,000 fine and one year of probation. Whether Christian or not, we have all likely seen the iconic image, the beaten and bloodied figure of Jesus Christ upon the cross. By far, this symbol of Christianity is the most famous depiction of crucifixion, but he was not its only victim. The method of torture and execution known as crucifixion began in the 6th century BC and continued into the 4th century AD. Upon converting to Christianity, the Emperor Constantine abolished its use within the Roman Empire. Like many torture practices, its methodology was simple but excruciating. The accused, most often a religious or political agitator, was stripped, beaten, and then strung on to a crossbeam of wood. The wrists and ankles would be secured to the beams either through tying them with rope or nailing them through. In some variations, a small ledge would be placed at the feet to offer more support for the body, but this was rare. Death would be agonizing, as the body weakened and the prisoner would no longer be able to support the body to breathe. The lungs would be compressed by the weight and positioning of the body, causing slow asphyxiation. Death could take up to four days to occur. This process could be made faster by breaking the legs. In fact, the word excruciating itself derives from crucifixion because it is known to be one of the most painful ways to die ever to have existed. That's all for now. Remember, you may not believe it, but anything is possible in a world so seriously strange. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow the Seriously Strange podcast so you don't miss what we've got in store for you. Watch the shadows and stay alive out there. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. 
You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way, because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated, and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.